This is SD Hudson Magic. Welcome to episode 12 of my first ever romantic sleep story. The last time we saw Rebecca Dragoran, she was lying at the bottom of Steep Hill thinking if she could just get up, she would leave Fort Scott Lake that very night, never to return. Jake, meanwhile, had been on his way home from Glenroth Hotel, thinking about the next day and how he would collect his father and tell him the truth about Olivia Cartwright once and for all. But before we begin, let's take the time to focus on where we are now. Take a deep breath in through your nose. and let it out on a long sigh. That's it. It is time to relax and fully let go. Feel your body sink into the support beneath you. And breathe deeply as the pressures of the day seep away. This is your time and your place. As your shoulders melt away from your ears and the pressure seeps away from your cheeks, know that you are safe. And here we are. Back in Scott Lake Infirmary, where Jake is sitting at his father's bedside, desperate to get him back in the comfort of his own home. Nurse Trevorick tells me you had a sleepless night, father. What happened yesterday? Why was I prevented from picking you up? Olivia was with me, I was fine. It's nothing, son. Well, it doesn't sound like nothing to me. What did she have to say? She hasn't been on about the wedding again, has she? 
I've told her she must let you rest and not bother you with anything that might cause you undue stress. We can sort things out later. Old man Cartwright's eyes rested on his son's softened expression. Jake always gave him hope. This stay in Scotlake Infirmary was just a temporary setback, and things would be calmer now his son was here. Things were always calm when Jake was around. He could think clearly when his son was around. And when they were finally married, Jake would calm Olivia down too. She was always so flighty. It was time to get things settled so he didn't have to worry any more. Yes, old man Cartwright agreed. We'll sort things out later. From where he sat, Jake was secretly devastated. His father looked far worse than when he last saw him. These chest pains were a recurring problem, even if they were only symptoms of anxiety. The strain was beginning to show. Olivia just wouldn't back off. Stress-induced, the doctor had said. Bed rest, he had ordered. But what rest had his father had? Little at the hands of Olivia, it seemed. She'd been at him again, like she always was when she wanted something. Why, oh, why couldn't his father see it? She was a user and a manipulator, and Jake had had enough. But he must not say anything yet. His father needed the care only he could provide, the time and commitment of someone who loved and respected him. He couldn't lose him now, not now they had found each other. Finally having a real identity meant everything to him, and the fact his father was such a good man made life all the more worth living. Don't worry about Olivia, old man Cartwright continued. She's just keen to get things moving, Jake, that's all. She loves you, and she can't wait to be married. Indignance rose up from Jake's gut. Love. <laughs> Olivia didn't know the meaning of the word. He felt sick to think of the demand she had placed upon his father. Her actions proved she loved no one but herself. How dare she push him like this? What kind of a person would visit an ailing man with only their interests at heart? Let alone sleep with a local judge to make sure she was let off the hook for her seedy wheeling and dealing. He stood up abruptly, tugging at his sleeves, as if to remove the dust settling there. It was time for change. Right, let's get moving then. It's sunny in the library now, and when I left, Cook was baking your special scotch pies. They'll be ready by the time we get back. He draped a velvet housecoat over his father's shoulders and tucked their lavish cords into its pockets. Then you can finish your dickens with a nice cup of Yorkshire tea. Their eyes met 
and at that moment the two men shared an understanding. This once strong pillar of Scotlake business community would allow himself to be vulnerable to Jake alone. And in return, Jake would remain by his side for as long as he needed him. Meanwhile, over in Ward 2, Rebecca was rubbing her eyes repeatedly after coming round from the anaesthetic. Where am I? She said to herself. I feel sick. She's awake, said a familiar voice. Rebecca, you're awake. Rebecca raised her eyelids a quarter of an inch, then shut them again. The piercing lights only exacerbated the pain in the back of her skull. Rebecca! There it was again. That voice. It wasn't father. She'd said goodbye to him the night before. And it wasn't mother. Somehow Rebecca knew she wasn't with her yet. So who was it? Rebecca, can you hear me? You're in Scott Lake Infirmary. You've had an accident. Then another voice, more urgent, more official. Rebecca Tregoran, open your eyes if you can hear me. There were hands upon her now, and she could hear beeps and whirs. Trolleys rolled past like speed trains, and various hushed voices collected in the shadow of the white noise. It was so much nicer being asleep. She must go back to sleep. Rebecca Tregoran, it's time to wake up. You are in Scotlake Infirmary. And there it was again. The hospital. She was in hospital. Wait. What? She was where? With a deep breath, Rebecca willed her eyes to open. And there, dancing in the blinding spotlights, were the brightly coloured crocheted squares she knew so well. Sam. It was Sam in all her rainbow glory, looking like she'd not slept in a week. Thank God, Rebecca, I've been worried sick. Something was itching. It was the back of her hand. She snatched at the plastic tube. No. A heavy hand grabbed her wrist. This nurse meant business. Stop that or we'll have all sorts of problems. You've been in surgery, Rebecca, and you are coming out of the anaesthetic. It's time to wake up now and say hello. Your friend's been sitting with you all night long. It was almost 30 minutes later before Rebecca was completely compass mentis. Sam had been nattering non-stop, but she couldn't really make sense of it. Something about a dark car and her bike. Then all at once, as if jolted from a dream, Rebecca was back at the bottom of Steep Hill, her raw palms resting on cold stone. Was it serious? She asked in bewilderment. I think I got up, or maybe I didn't. Is my bike broken? 
more broken than you. It went over the bonnet. You were spared that, thank God. Rebecca's face crumbled at Sam's words, and her hand shot up in recognition. Don't touch it. They're doing the graft later. Graft? Rebecca swallowed hard. And my leg? It won't move. Part of her didn't want to know. Lack of feeling was never a good sign. You've got pins in it. It'll heal. Tears stung the back of Rebecca's eyes. She wasn't a vain person, but her face. Why did it have to be her face? Sensing her pain, Sam took her hand. It'll take time, Rebecca, but it will heal. And as Rebecca shut her eyes to the grim truth, Sam left for a stiff espresso and the phone to deliver the bad news to Mrs. Tregoran. The sun was at its highest point when the black Bentley tackled the long gravel drive. It was a relief to be back at Cartwright Manor. In the past few months, Jake had come to think of it as home. Many a night he'd wandered the vast grounds, imagining the life he could lead with Rebecca as its mistress. He could just see her now, draped in red and gold Cartwright tartan. How it would complement her fiery tresses. And she would love these gardens. From what he could remember, she lived for the great outdoors. Walking, gardening and fishing had always been her thing. More often than not, barefoot and fancy free. It was no use. Even after everything that had passed, he was still thinking about her. He must get things settled. Then slowly, gently, he would find a way to tell his father his heart was elsewhere, whether Rebecca accepted him or not. He could no longer live this lie. Whatever happened, he could never marry Olivia. He knew that now. He glanced over to where old man Cartwright sat. In the last few months, they'd forged a real connection and there was a chance, albeit a slim one, he would accept what Jake had to say. Great to see you back, sir, called the gardeners as he lowered the window. Great to be back, old man Cartwright replied. Behind them, the vibrant blooms danced in a welcome display of crimson and violet. How Jake would miss this place if his plan failed. But he'd reached a crossroads now, and there was only one path he was willing to take. He'd made enough mistakes. This was an opportunity to put things right and be the man he was born to be. All he had to do was get Olivia out of the picture for a while. The opportunity came sooner than expected. Dinner had been a light but formal affair and the conversation had been kept simple in recognition of previous stressful events. 
Jake ate little and made sure to avoid the red wine. But the same could not be said of Olivia. After the risk she'd taken the night before, even she was feeling the pressure. Then as quickly as it began, the plates were pushed away with exclamations of exhaustion, followed by promises of a gentle morning stroll with the terriers if the old man had an easy night. He rose to leave, and the moment the door clicked behind him, the dining hall became shrouded in what was to come. Jake sat back heavily. Let Olivia be the one to begin. That way he'd have something to work with. Father looks better now he's home, doesn't he? And there it was. Pathetic. No thanks to you. He couldn't help himself. He despised Olivia's vain attempt at small talk, just as he despised her efforts to lure him in with her seductive smile. I beg your pardon? Olivia hadn't seen this coming. Judge McRae ring any bells? I must admit, Olivia, you wear deceit surprisingly well. It's just your colour. Olivia's fine cut glass shot straight to her lips. And as the thick candles flickered on, her cold skin turned paler still. Well, I have to have something to occupy me, Jake. You're hardly coming up with the goods now, are you? He watched her closely. That flicker in her eyes was probably the most genuine emotion she had ever shown. But what did that matter? It meant nothing to him. There never was anything between us. There never will be anything between us. And if I have my way, Olivia, we will never be in the same room again. Now stop badgering father. Leave him alone. Otherwise he'll have a heart attack. Is that what you want? Not really. Her voice was cold, its tone sullen like that of a petulant child. What would I gain from that? I'll see hell freeze over before you take everything that's rightfully mine. Now the mask was off. Rightfully yours, Jake coughed. So that's how you see it. Olivia drained her glass and poured herself another. All attempts at civility were now futile. This was war, and she'd have to dip into her arsenal, and fast. Okay, Jake, if that's the way you want to play it. I will tell father everything, and I'll make sure he knows I did it all because of him. Because he never really had the time for my mother, and because he treated her like a trophy wife. Because all this time, little old me has been trying desperately to impress him. Because I know he doesn't really love me either. It's just guilt. 
I'll remind him he placed too much pressure on me after Mother died, and I made the decisions I made because I couldn't handle it. Then I'll make him understand I'm the product of his creation, and that he's obliged to pay for that. Jake bit down hard. And if that doesn't work, I'll remind him of your mother's picture he keeps in a drawer by his bed. The one that drove Mummy to an early grave. He could keep quiet no longer. You made the decisions you made, Olivia, because you were heartless and cold. My father gave you a great opportunity and you abused that and the good name of everything he stands for. I spoke to the accountant. You've been pilfering money from Scott Lake Industries for the best part of a year. Enough is enough. And none of that changes anything, Jake. Your father will be heartbroken when I get him to face up to his responsibilities. Is that what you want for his final years? Jake looked up at the huge painting that took pride of place over the mantelpiece. Its ornate gold frame said all there was to say. This was his father's empire and he should fight for it. But if he was honest, he didn't have the heart. Rather have an ignorant father than a broken-hearted dead father. What do you want, Olivia? You know what I want. It's never going to happen. Why? Because you're still kidding yourself about that cheap wretch, Rebecca Tregoran. Jake's heavy fists met solid oak with no consideration to the pain it would cause. I've spoken to an independent lawyer, he hissed. There's a document I can sign if Father agrees. It puts an end to the entail on the house once and for all. He straightened his back and spread his arms wide. You can have it, Olivia. And the judge. And that simp of a doctor if he takes your fancy. But you won't have me. He reached for a large manila envelope on the side and shoved it across the table at her. There's a trade show coming up tomorrow. Take the purchasing team to London with you. That'll give me time to bring father round to this way of thinking. And with that, he span on his heel and left. It was late in the afternoon the next day when Jake learned of the hit and run. He'd been sitting in the study, going over how to approach his father that night, when an announcement came over the local news. Requests were being made for more information about an incident with a black car at the bottom of Steep Hill. It had seemed just like any other announcement at first. But it wasn't, of course. And all at once, when he realised what had happened, the world went silent. Nothing mattered anymore. Not Olivia's threats, not the house. Not anything.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please consider supporting me so I can produce more of these stories just for you.